why we lose our spiritual appetite. Um, so let's just jump in there, shall we? There's a lot of things in the spirit that overlap in the flesh, and I think it's really helpful to use some of these things because it scaffolds the concept more deeply in our minds. So if we think about appetite in a physical sense, there are reasons why we might lose our appetite. So we might have um, an illness, like a flu or something like that, and it puts you off your food, or a tummy complaint, and you just don't feel like eating. Or maybe there's some medications that you take. We know things, the opiates, things like morphine, will you know, take your appetite away, or at least de decrease it significantly. So we can see this appetite in the physical sense, you know, can be decreased. Some of the things that might, you know, take away your spiritual appetite in, or sorry, your appetite in the psychological are things like depression. You may not have an appetite for life if you are depressed. Things like stress or burnout might take away your appetite for life. Or if you're grieving, you know, if, if you've lost something, your appetite for life, your appetite just generally might wane. Okay. And so I believe that we're meshed together, our physical, our psychological, and our spiritual. It's all in this one thing called the person that you are. And so spiritually, there are things that can decrease our appetite or take it away completely. And I want to pull some of these things apart, not to condemn anybody or to, to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but I think it's, it's kind of just helpful sometimes to flag these things up. So spiritually, knowing when you are living in a way that you're knowingly living in sin, you know that you're doing something that you're not meant to be doing. It's as simple as that. And we all know it, right? You, know, you all know um, when you're gossiping and you shouldn't be. You all know when you're like prideful and you shouldn't be. We, we all know that maybe we're doing stuff that we shouldn't be. And you know what? It's just not good for us. So that can really take away and decrease your appetite, there's a really good story, um, I think it was Holly Wagner, uh, I heard it from, but she tells a story of a, a Native American uh, chief, and a son came to him, and the son said, you know, chief, I, I have these two wolves that wrestle within me, and uh, he said, one of them you know, it, 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 it's really strong and it wants me to do the things that I know are the right things to do. And the other wolf that's fighting with it, it, it wants to do all the things that, that I just want to do. And the chief, who was very wise, looked at his son and he said, son, the one that you feed the most is the one that will live. So we need to be thinking about what we're feeding. Are we feeding our flesh? Because if we're feeding our flesh, that's going to take away from our spiritual appetite. And the problem with that is that when we are putting other things before God, you know, God 
he's, he's very clear about this. He wants to be first in our lives. So when we are putting other things before God, what happens is life and that kind of, if you imagine we're on an orbit around God, when we start to put ourselves first and put our own desires and wants and and actually at times that's that's good that's a good thing I'm not knocking it but when other things are really starting to encroach before God life starts to go out of kilter and things start to go wrong and I don't want that for you and God doesn't want that for you because he wants you to have a good life an abundant life a blessed life sometimes we lose our appetite because we've simply lost our wonder you know, I was really glad when Rain read out today about the hands that flung stars into space. You know, we forget that God is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is mysterious. And he is a passionate God for you and for me. And sometimes we lose that in our minds. We forget it. We have like spiritual amnesia. One of the other things that we might lose our appetite over is when we're hurt. You know, the church isn't a country club, it's a hospital. The church is a place for the wounded. And guys, I want to implore you, treat your brothers and sisters with great care because you do not know the wounding that they carry. Treat them with compassion and kindness. Because when we're hurt, do you know what you want to do? The first thing, you want to remove yourself from the source of hurt. Yeah? And so the devil will get in there and he'll allow a disconnect. And then when you're disconnected, you're easily picked off. You can see Satan is just so predictable. That's how he works. So you know what, can we just be careful and be mindful that you don't know what's really going on inside another person? Maybe a reason that you lose your appetite is that, you know, you've been waiting for a long time. You know, I was praying for someone for about four years and praying and praying and it was somebody I love very, very much and cared very deeply about. And I, I started to get what I can only describe as like heart sick. Has anybody ever experienced that where you're, you're, you know, you're praying and you're praying and you're crying out to God and just nothing seems to be happening? And so in those times, you can kind of lose your spiritual appetite and it can spill into kind of doubt. Doubt that God is actually going to come through for you. But God will come through for you, church. Another reason might be that we just get really passive, that we just get comfortable. You know, in the West, we have a glut of, well, everything. You know, we've a glut of food. <laughs> we've a glut in, 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 the, in, in the physical. <clears throat> and we have a glut of even podcasts and Bibles. And, you know, we lack no resource. And so you can kind of just get comfortable. And sometimes, and this is the last one, is that you get distracted. You get so busy with the stuff of life, even doing stuff for God, that you get so distracted in that, so busy with that, that you become weary 
and well-doing, and that's not what God has for you. In the, in the physical, we know that the body, <clears throat> um, over time, can last for quite a long time without food. It can last for months, even years, without much food. We can eke along on very little. Um, not the same of water. We can only we, we need water much, much more than we need lots of food. Um, you know, I remember when I was um, talking to someone who did palliative care, they said, when we stop eating food, this is for terminally ill people, um, you're looking at weeks, possibly months, but when we stop drinking water, you're looking at days. We cannot go very long without water. And you can draw the metaphor spiritually uh, in terms of, you know, Christ living water. But the danger is that spiritually we can eke along on very little. We can eke along and just, you know, be kind of going through the motions. You know, I think things like, you know, my daily bread or word for today are really, really good. I'm not knocking them. But if that becomes just a habit with a cup of coffee, you do your wee reading and you're like, oh, yay, God, good, go. And off you go. And that's, that's like the, the, the five-minute window. Then you're missing out on something. And actually, that's just become a comfortable habit you know, not a time of, of, of deep connection with God. I actually know Christians who, who use some of these things almost like their horoscope. And so it's not, it's, you know, I'm not knocking them. Please hear that because I think they're a very good resource, particularly if you're a very baby Christian. But there's more to be had. And the danger is that in those things, we can be letting other people do the thinking for us. And the final reason that you might lose your appetite is you didn't realize you needed an appetite in the first place. You didn't realize that there was more. You know, if you've never had, I don't know, uh, a cornetto, you would never crave that because it would just be, well, it's just that thing over there, I don't know. If you've never had olives or pastrami or something, you know, really tasty, you would never crave it because you can only crave what you've experienced. And it's the same in the spiritual. You have to have tasted first before you can crave it. And sadly, in many of our churches, and I, I do believe God is doing something in terms of he's dismantling the structures that have been because they're no longer serving us the way he needs them to serve us. And when there is a big leader and there is this smoke machines and everything else, it becomes a man-made sort of whipping up of the Holy Spirit. I think that is kind of a flavor. And I don't know about you, but if somebody offered me you know, um, a raspberry-flavored uh, gumdrop. I'd rather have the raspberry, the lovely succulent fruit. I'd rather have the real thing. And I think it's really important because, you know, when you taste the real thing in the spirit, you want more of it. You want more of it. Are you sitting here today wondering, is there more in the spiritual sense 
I think it's really important that we know some of the hallmarks of the authentic presence of the Holy Spirit, not a man-made thing. And for clarity's sake, I've just bullet-pointed a few of the things that I think are an authentic presence. You know, I remember in the 1990s, there was a thing called a Toronto Blessing. I'm not sure if some of you heard of that. But I remember being in London and going to a church there, and I can only say it was the most powerful experience of the Holy Spirit that I've ever had. But there was no smoke machines. There wasn't, the worship was like um, two lads and a guitar. You know, it was really simple, Anglican service, and the vicar stood up at the end, and he just said, well, we've got prayer teams if anybody wants prayer, but we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I have to confess, I opened my eyes and had a good look around the room because I thought, nobody's going to fool me. <laughs> and I could hear this sound of rushing wind. And I mean, it was rushing. I felt like I was in uh, a storm or a hurricane. It was really, and I looked to see, and you could see that it was an open stage like this. I looked to see, was there somebody going <laughs> into the mic? Because that's how loud it was. And there was nothing. There was no breeze even with it. It was just so loud. And it was really, really awe-inspiring. So what are the hallmarks of this authentic, tangible Holy Spirit presence? Well, I've put a couple down, but this is not an exhaustive list. Where the Holy Spirit is present, the Godhead is glorified not the person on the platform. Everything points to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It inspires a holy fear. And I think sometimes we've lost our fear, and, and, and I mean a healthy, holy fear of God, but it's a reverence and a respectful awe. So it inspires that. It, it helps us to see that we are like, like a molecule of sand before the creator of the heavens and the earth that we really are just a puff of wind and we need to get serious about our momentary time here on earth the third thing is that when the holy spirit is present it lines up with the word of god whatever unfolds and it's ordered it's not chaotic even though at that time I'm recalling, you know, people were falling down in the spirit and speaking in tongues and being really, there was an infilling, some people were laughing. It was very ordered. And there was just something, you could just experience a tangible presence of love. It embodies the fruits of the spirit. You can feel love. People, people will be healed. Because there is healing in his wings, it tells us, and by his stripes we were healed. And there is unity. There is unity between yourself and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But there's unity in the body. And that unity overspills into the community of the unsaved. So those are like what I look for. And it's not flashy lights or a smoke machine. 
So why do we need an appetite? Sorry, I meant to tell you my points and forgot because I got flustered at the beginning. Oh my goodness, why do we need an appetite? Beloved, this world is starving. We are in a starving world and people are watching us. I love to watch these TV chefs on a Saturday morning. You know, I'm there with my muesli, you know. And all of a sudden, this guy brings out, you know, like sourdough bread that he drizzles olive oil over, and then he crushes an avocado and puts it on top. And then he gets some, you know, mashed up chorizo, and then he poaches an egg and puts that on top, and maybe a little bit of asparagus by the side. Are you getting hungry yet? <laughs> you see, what we, what comes out of our mouths can make other people hungry. What, what people see in us, just as you watch the TV chef, can make you hungry. You know, it's a bit like if you've ever been at a, a concert or been walking down the street and, and you can smell, you know, onions cooking. And you think, I didn't even fancy a hot dog, but oh boy, I'm going to have two. <laughs> That's what's in us. Appetite catches what are we serving up to people as we love them to life? What are we serving up to our communities? Do people see Christ in us to such an extent that they say, I'm having what she's having. I'm having what he's having. You know, before my mum found the Lord, she looked into a lot of Buddhist, Buddhism uh, and she you know, was clearly just ser- searching for her own spirituality. And the reason she became a Christian was this, that she started to go to a prayer group, and this was like in the 70s where there was a revival in Northern Ireland, and she started to meet other Christians, and she said, they had something I wanted, but I didn't know what it was, I just knew I wanted it. That's appetite, guys, and that's what we can do, and so we need to embody the fruit of the Spirit, so that this world can taste our fruit. So if we can have my little PowerPoint that Aaron has so graciously made, thank you. So in the world, when circumstances are evil, we're God's people. We can offer love. We can carry the essence of love on the inside of who we are. And that catches when the world is just desperately sad. You know, when awful things are happening and awful things are happening in our world, we within ourselves can carry a joy. We have something to give. When there's turmoil and discord, we get to bring peace. We can sit in that place of peace. When people are hurtful, we get to be kind. And that's a privilege, to be kind in someone else's pain, to empath- be empathic. When this world is wicked, and we know it is, we get to be good. We get to choose goodness. When the world rejects you, rejects other people, we get to be faithful. We get to say, I'm standing with the outcast. 
I'm standing with this person who's marginalized. I'm standing with a smelly person. I'm standing with the person that doesn't have their act together. We get to be that person. When the world is harsh and judgmental, we get to be gentle and not judge. It's not our place. And when the world is selfish and greedy and self-serving, we get to exercise self-control and restraint. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are what people will see in us. See, God is in the business of a divine exchange. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm very aware that I don't deserve what I have. You know, God picked me up and hosed me down and put on me a robe of righteousness. And I still don't get why he would do that. But he did. He chose me and he chose you. And if that doesn't make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, I don't know what does. We deserve death and he gave us life in this divine exchange. We deserve deserve to be a despairing people, but we have hope. How great is our God? In Psalm 34, verses 8 to 10, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the person who puts his trust in him. Fear the Lord, you holy ones, for those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will never lack any good thing. Guys, listen to the promises in that. Those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. I don't know about you, but maybe you're in a place of lack today. You know, maybe you lack um, comfort. Maybe you have a a health lack. Maybe you have a humor lack. I don't know, whatever it is. The promise here is that when you seek the Lord, when you trust in the Lord, when you fear in the Lord, you will lack no good thing. And just to encourage you even further, Isaiah 44 verses 3 and 4 says, this is God's promise to us. For I will pour out water upon thirsty ground and streams upon a parched land. So will I pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And just receive this. They will spring up as among the green grass like willows by flowing streams. And if that's not enough, just receive this from Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears this come. Let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone, okay, you don't have to have your act together. Anyone who wants the water of life, take it as a gift. Wow, church, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. So how do you get your appetite back if you've lost it? Well, I'm going to give you 
some practical stuff screaming be me if I didn't. So I'm going to give you three stops and one start. Is that okay? And then we're done. So the first one is, in a way to get your appetite back, is stop comparing. Stop comparing what you do with what somebody else does. You know, in the natural, we all like different foods, don't we? You know, for me, I love worship. I can stick worship music on and I can feed on that. That does it for me. For somebody else, it might be, you know, that they uh, study the word of God and, um, and we all should be doing that, not just reading it, but studying it. Um, for another person, you know, they may just be sitting in silence. For another person, their way of connecting with God might be to go for a walk in nature. But don't compare what you do with what somebody else does because that puts you in a dangerous place because comparison can lead you to pride and pride is something that God hates and hate is a strong word, okay? So don't compare. We're all different and you don't know what's going on in anybody else no more than anybody else knows what's going on in them sort of thing. No, that's the wrong way around, but you know what I mean, don't you? You can't see on the inside of somebody else is what I'm trying to say. So the second one is stop looking back. Stop looking back. You see, your eyes are on the front of your face for a reason. Because we live life going forward. And you know in the story of Lot's wife, the word translation is actually that she looked back with longing. Now, I believe had she looked back with curiosity, Ooh, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know if she'd have been turned into a pillar of salt because curiosity is a good thing. It leads us to search for answers. It helps us to learn. But she didn't do that. She looked back with longing. And the problem is, if we're looking back, we are relying on stale bread if you're looking back to, I don't know, glory days of something you did, then you know what? You're missing out on the banqueting table that Jesus has set before you day after day. You know, he gives you new mercies morning after morning. He gives you new manna, fresh food for each day. And I don't know about you, but crusty bread's not nice. It's got mold in it and it's dry and brittle. And you know what? Just looking back just isn't helpful. Because if you're remembering the good things, I guarantee you the devil will step in and he will help you to remember the bad things too. And then he'll beat you up with the bad things that you remember. So just don't look back. Isaiah makes it really clear. Verse 43, verse 18, when he says, forget the former things, dwell not on the past. Is there any ambiguity about that? Do we, is there any way we wouldn't understand that? Do not dwell on the past. <clears throat> See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So let's not look back. Let's look forward to what God has for us. And I think that's exciting because we know that God has got good stuff for us. And the third stop is stop blaming the devil. 
okay? Because we often blame the devil for our stuff. You know, if you, if, you, if you drive somewhere, I don't know, to a conference or something, and your car breaks down, it's not necessarily an attack of the devil. It may be that you just didn't put oil in your carburetor. <laughs> you know, we need to stop giving the devil credit for just our dumb stuff. And if you're breathing, you will have made dumb choices. Anybody here ever made a dumb choice? Absolutely. Joint, you know, welcome to the human race kind of thing. So not everything is an attack. So don't let it make you fall into fear or fall into feeling intimidated. The devil is a coward and he's pathetic and he is a defeated foe. So just don't give him time in your head, please. <laughs> and even when you make dumb choices, and I love that everybody put their hand up, we have a promise because we are children of promise in Romans 8 verse 28. It says, you know, God works all things, even our dumb choices, to the good of those who love him and are called according to his good plan and purpose. Sometimes God allows us to taste the fruit of our choices, but not because he's unloving, because we have something to learn or maybe he wants to increase our hunger, or maybe he wants to get our attention over something. And when you are tasting the fruit of your choices and it's, you know, a little unpalatable, go and get with God, and he'll help to work that through with you. But I want you to hear this, that there is always, always good on the other side of suffering. There is always morning after night. So that's what not to do. Here's what to do. Be intentional about getting your appetite back. We can't fake it with God. We can fake it with each other. You can, you can do that. You can kind of put on a smile when you're not happy and pretend you are. Or you can, you know, pretend. But we can't pretend with God. He knows. So can I encourage you to be real? Be real about wanting your appetite back. Because we can't deceive God. Position yourself around those who have an insatiable appetite. You know, it's a bit like watching the TV chef. Place yourself around people who are going for God and who are, who are wise and who are consistent and, and get them to pray with you. Maybe you need to repent to get your appetite back. That's okay. I'm sure I do that 20 times a day. Just repent. God is slow to anger and rich in love. Maybe we need to humble ourselves, like get over ourselves <laughs> a little bit. And maybe we need to fast in the flesh in order to get hunger in the spirit. Maybe we need to watch the words coming out of our mouth. Are they negative? You know, it tells us in Proverbs that there are certain words that are sweet to the tongue, but they go into the stomach and they become bitter. So listen to the words coming out of your mouth. 
pray, praise, worship, study the word, but be intentional about it. Set time aside. Turn off your phone. Yeah? Put a I'm not here sign on your front door if you have to, but be intentional about asking God for your appetite back and then waiting and receiving what he has for you. There's a promise that I want to finish on because I just think it's such an encouragement and it's in James 4, verse 8 and it's this and I love the simplicity of this. It's draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not difficult, is it? How do you draw near to God? You just say, Lord, I want to draw near to you. And I may not really know how to do it. It's not about a feeling. It's about an attitude. So just get your attitude, Lord, I want to draw near to you. So if you're sitting here today and you are feeling, you know what, I just want to draw near to God. I want to get my appetite back. I want my appetite back. Um, I'm going to ask you to um, just wait on God with me, okay? And I don't care if I stand up here and look like a lemon. I really don't. God knows my heart on this issue, (laughs) trust me. Um, But what I am desperate for, what I'm hungry for is his Holy Spirit. And I'm hungry that we experience his Holy Spirit. So if you can, and you are really of one mind in this, you know, and you want to experience more of his Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to stand and just open your hands. Um, And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go in to the last worship song. And also, if anybody would like prayer, um, I'll stand over here just at the back. Feel free to come. It would be a real privilege for me um, to pray with you. Okay. So if you would like to receive the Holy Spirit, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want your appetite to increase, please feel free to stand and open your hands. I'm just going to pray. Lord, Lord, we just want more of you. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we repent of our own attitudes, of our own pride. We repent for the times where we, we've just stopped putting you first because you're inconvenient. Lord, we are just desperate. Lord, for a move of your Holy Spirit, not for that sake of just witnessing a spectacle, because that would be ungodly. But Lord, that we can go deeper into a relationship with you. Lord, that we can be nourished and healthy as we walk this thing called life out Lord, that we can spill over into our community 
with the fruits of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, your word has told us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lord, this is what we pray. Lord, we pray that you would come. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and draw near. Lord, may there be healing in your wings. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Just come, Holy Spirit.